Well, welcome back to Grace Bible Church, or welcome to Grace Bible Church for the first time, if it's your first time here. My name is Joey. I am one of the pastors here. If we haven't met before, I would love to meet you after the service. I'll be up front on the right. I am not the usual preacher, but I am one of the usual pastors. You probably see me running around uh, either in the elementary ministry or the nursery ministry or the youth ministry or fixing a light bulb or filling up a coffee pot or something. I'm usually around somewhere. Uh, We're back into our series through the book of Luke. This series is going through chapters 10 through chapters 18. Uh, So if you've been here the last few weeks, you'll remember we've been going through the book of Luke looking at how Jesus confronts. That's our sermon series. Jesus confronts specifically how he confronts our spiritual immaturity and our religious legalism. So this week we pick the story of Jesus back up in Luke chapter 12. So if you're borrowing one of our Bibles from the pews uh, that are in front of you, it's on page 871. Uh, As you turn there, I'll remind you of what was going on just before our passage today. If you don't have a Bible at home, you're welcome to take that Bible home with you. So you'll remember where we left off. Jesus had been invited to uh, to dine with the lawyers, the scribes, and the Pharisees. So he comes to eat, and he doesn't wash first. Jesus doesn't keep the ceremonies, and the Pharisees are astonished. They're astonished at Jesus, right? And Dave said last week, it wasn't an accident, right? Jesus didn't accidentally not wash, right? And Jesus calls them out. He says, you do everything right, Pharisees, lawyers, right? You do everything right on the outside. You wash the outside of the bowl, but the inside of the bowl, the inside of you is filthy, right? You don't really follow the law. You pretend to do it. You're hypocrites, he tells them. You don't actually keep the law. You don't actually love God. You don't actually fear God. You don't really even believe. And would you believe it? They're offended. And you might remember that after that, Jesus and his disciples go away from there and the scribes and the Pharisees begin to oppose Jesus. They begin to challenge him. And they ask him questions, and they try to set traps for him. Um, Like skilled hunters waiting for their prey, right? The Pharisees and the scribes, um, they begin to try and catch Jesus in something he might say, right? That's the end of chapter 11 that we're getting to. So today, as we look at how Jesus confronts our spiritual immaturity and our religious legalism, we'll see that Jesus calls his disciples to fear God always because of his loving care for them. So if you're able, would you stand with me in reverence and in honor for the reading of God's word? This will be the word of the Lord from the book of Luke, beginning in chapter 12, verse 1. So this is after Jesus has left the mill, He's going away, and the scribes and Pharisees are beginning to press him hard, provoking him to speak about the many things. They're lying in wait to catch him in something he might say. 
chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you that you're good, that you love us, that you care for us. We ask that you would teach us, that you would give us your words, that you'd help us to fear you rightly. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So today it's my hope that we would see how Jesus calls his disciples to fear him always because of his loving care for us. I think normally as we look at a sermon, we look at a text and we try and see three points, you know, easily divided out in the text and it's there. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I didn't write a decent sermon, but you know, it's it's all kind of mixed in there too. So I'm asking you to give me a little bit of grace as we go through the points cuz uh, I'm going to tell you, fear God always, and as you do that, beware of hypocrisy will be my first point, don't fear men will be my second, and share the hope you have will be my third, but they're all kind of mixed in there. Jesus, as he does, uh, presents this, they're all kind of mixed in there each time, so you'll see each of them throughout the points, uh, kind of all there. So as I do it, give me a little grace, uh, I'm asking for that up front, okay? So, so give it to me too, please, okay? So uh, the first three verses, verse 1 through 3, beware hypocrisy. Um, so they just have left, the scene has been set. Uh, remember, they're trying to trick and trap Jesus. Now a large crowd appears, so large that they're trampling over one another. Thousands of people, the word literally means 10,000 people. So we've gone from being in a a meal with just the Pharisees, small group of people, to this large, huge crowd. Have you been in a crowd that large? An amusement park maybe? Or 
a concert, right? Just being smashed kind of feels like a, almost a, a mosh pit feeling to me, right? This big, huge crowd, and you almost feel insignificant. The crowd's grown so big, and it just keeps getting bigger. It's growing and growing and growing. And what does Jesus do? All of a sudden, he brings up hypocrisy again. But this time, just to his disciples, right? He looks to his disciples first, and he says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. It's so important to Jesus. He brings in his disciples from this huge crowd to tell them again. He just spent half of chapter 11 talking about it. A whole meal talking with the scribes and the Pharisees about hypocrisy. He leaves. This crowd's grown and he warns his disciple about it by talking about yeast Imagine him looking up at this big, huge crowd of people, and he thinks, yeast? Do you remember during COVID and the travel restrictions, the work from home, and everyone's trying to find new hobbies, and a lot of people got into what? Making bread and sourdough, right? Who did it? My wife did it. <laughs> and when, when you did it, I have a picture of it. What did you do? You had to feed it. And it bubbled up, right? And what was the bubbling up? It was it growing, the yeast growing, the wild yeast growing, and it infecting everything in the flour, right? It, was, it would overflow, and you'd have to scoop it out and take it out every couple days, right? You'd feed it and grow it. That was the starter, right? You'd have to make the starter for the, for the sourdough starter. Uh, I don't know everything about it. I wasn't the one making it, but I know a little bit about it. Right, So this is a picture of it bubbling up, of the starter. And then once you made it and you got it just right, you keep it in the fridge, right? The sourdough starter. This is the yeast that then becomes what? You take a little scoop out of it and you put it in your dough and it's what now? It's the leaven, right? You put a little tiny scoop into the dough and it becomes a leaven and then it grows into the dough And it's what makes the dough rise, right? Little bit from the starter into the larger dough is what makes it rise. Jesus says, beware of that. Not the bread, obviously, right? But beware of that hypocrisy. It's poison. That whole thing I was talking about in chapter 11, that being clean on the outside, looking good in front of men, but not really loving me in your heart, right? He's saying it's poison. It infects everything. It spreads. It grows. It penetrates. It's slow. It's insidious, but it's constant. It becomes so large, it tramples one another, right? He looks out the crowd, sees that big group of people trampling over each other, and he thinks about that yeast in that dough, and he gives them a picture of it. It's a cancer you've got to cut out. He says, but beware the leaven of the Pharisees. And it's easy to hear that, and think he's talking about them, right? So this large crowd's growing, and he sees that picture, and he gathers his disciples, and he says, no, I'm talking to you, right? Look at verse 2 and 3. He's talking to his followers, people who claim to follow him, because he's confronting their spiritual immaturity. He's confronting our religious legalism. Whatever you have said, Not what they said. He said, whatever you have whispered in the quiet rooms, 
in the private rooms, right? Mm, Not they. His followers. He's saying, check your heart. Do you really fear God always? Or are you just being a hypocrite like them? Do you really believe that God sees and knows all and that nothing is hidden from him? Or do you think you can hide from God? Do you live like that? Or are you really just trying to put on a show for men? Now he's not saying walk around scared all the time like God's going to be around every corner and just bop you on the head, right? Or like a child who's doing something they shouldn't do and stops and freezes and drops it every time the parent walks in the room, right? He's saying beware of the final judgment and live a life worthy of your calling, right? Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be clean on the outside. A bowl that's been washed on the outside but is dirty on the inside. He's calling out his disciples. He looks out at the crowd and he sees it. He says, that's poison. Don't be poison. See it? It's there. All right. Verse 4 through 7. Don't fear men. The next point. Instead, he's saying, fear God always, right? Let's look at it. Verse 4 through 7. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. We might not live in a country where we have to fear bodily persecution by people, but we, and, and I'll confess really, I live in fear of what people think of me more often than we, and, and really I fear what God thinks of us. And Honestly, I fear when I'm up here that I'm going to say something stupid and you're going to complain about me. Like, I do. I fear, like, I fear that I'm going to mess up my sermon and you're going to complain and I'm going to get fired. Like, I, that's one of my fears. And so, maybe don't complain about me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but we, we should care more what God thinks of us. Here, the text says in verse 5, why? Because... He has authority over our eternal destination, right? Because what can man do to us? Why do we fear man? Well, they can kill us now, here. That's what it says. And we don't really live in a place where that happens. People did. That was real here. Persecution like that was real here. And people do live in places where it is real now. What do we have to deal with now? People thinking mean thoughts about us? Maybe. Or maybe us thinking that people think mean thoughts about us, I guess. I guess that's all that it really is. I don't know. People complaining about us, I guess, is what mine is. I don't know. Or me thinking people might complain about me. But we should care or fear what God thinks of us because he has authority to cast into hell, is what verse 12.5 says. But the fear is different for the unbeliever, right? Or for the hypocrite. That's this chapter 12, verse 5 fear, right? For the hypocrite or unbeliever, that's a scared 
or afraid. That's probably more what it's like, right? For the believer, I want to clarify, when Jesus says fear God, that's not the same thing he's saying, right? An afraid, scared fear. How do I know? How do we know? Because verse 6 and 7, right away, he doesn't make us wait to find out, right? He gives us a picture of the sparrows. Again, that large crowd picture, I think Jesus looks up, he sees the 10,000 people as he's talking to his people, and he thinks about house sparrows. I have a fun story about house sparrows that just happened this week. Chris knows, he's laughing already. We have house sparrows in our attic at the church here right now. Anybody have a kindergartner or first grader in the class? You might have dropped them off and heard house sparrows this week. Did you anybody hear them? Nobody? Well, they're here. We have house sparrows because we have a, a two-year-old roof. Uh, we used to have a metal roof on top of our building, but we got a TPO roof, which is like thermal plastic or protection, I don't know. But it's like a blanket on top of the roof that is much cooler than the metal roof used to be. And so the little sparrows, house sparrows, like to hang out now underneath our covered breezeway. And they've kind of pecked their way in through the insulation and made nest uh, underneath our patio and into our attic. And so we were thinking that we could get in there and, you know, we had a big plan to, you know, build this... um, special new way to block off uh, around the corrugated metal. We had this big old plan, and then Mike Hauser came up with an even better plan of, you know, just filling in all the holes that they made with, um, I don't know, something and caulking it. And he had a great plan that was much simpler. Um, And so we were about to do that plan, and then we got up in there and found out there were actually active chicks inside the nest. And so I was looking up, well, what do you do if there's actually chicks? And I called Colleen Pest Control, and I read the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, and it covers thousands of thousands of birds, and, um, you know, what you're supposed to do if there's chicks. And you can almost never touch a nest of, with eggs or chicks in it under any circumstances, or you get fined, and it's... A really big deal. Um, But you know what birds aren't covered under Migratory Bird Treaty Act? House sparrows. Not covered. Do you know why? Because they're pests and an infestation. And you can get rid of them anytime. It does not really matter because there are thousands and thousands of them and they don't matter. The government doesn't even care about them. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a lawyer. I read the treaty. I'm pretty sure. But don't worry. We didn't actually touch them or take them out. We left them. We covered most of the holes, but left the place where they're coming in and out of and left the birds. They're still there. Birds grow in like a week. We'll cover the holes later. Um, But um, anyways, I picture Jesus looking out and thinking, man, it's like the sparrows. There's so many of them. Look at all these people. It's crazy. I'm going to use them as an example too, right? Jesus had this idea already here, right? But under most circumstances, you can't touch birds, but even the government didn't even, doesn't even really care about house sparrows, the ones that are in our attic. But Jesus cared about them, right? But this fearing God idea, it's not the same thing as the unbeliever where it's this scared fear. But Jesus here in this text, he doesn't even make you wait to find out how much he cares about you. He tells you those sparrows that are in the attic that you could even... Get rid of that nest of babies because they're not covered under this treaty. I care about those sparrows 
And you're worth even more than many, many of those sparrows to me. Right? They're two for a penny. You buy two pennies worth, you get another free, right? Five for two pennies. That's, that's how that's worked. And then he says, I know the number of hairs on your head, something you don't even care about. How much more do I care about you? We know. The text says you're worth more than many of those sparrows. He cares about you so much, he sent the very man telling you that he cares about you. He sent him not only so you wouldn't have to fear people, but so that you could fear him instead. See, the fear in 12.5 is that type of fear of God. It's a type of fear of God, a type of fear of God. It's good and it's right. It's a fear of punishment. It's a fear you don't have to have anymore, though. It's a fear for the unbeliever, a fear for the hypocrite. For the unbeliever, but for the believer, you shouldn't be scared of God because nothing can separate you from his love. That's Romans 8, 38. Because he never leaves you or forsakes you. It's Hebrews 13, 5. For the Christ follower, fear of God's a mix of gratitude and a mix of security. It's worship, it's reverence, it's awe. Yeah, there's a little bit of fear, right? Because of you know his power, right? I think Hebrews 12, 28, and 29, it's a good summary of this idea. It says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Here's that part of a little bit of fear. For our God is a consuming fire. So Piper explains it like this. He says that we want to be rid of some aspects of fearing God, and we don't want to be rid of punish- or, or of some. He says, 1 John 4.18, There is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out all fear. And where fear has to do with punishment, as believers, we shouldn't fear God's rejection of us. So we should enjoy our care and our security in his house. We should enjoy being in his kingdom. That's Hebrews 12, right? We should delight to fear his name. It's why the psalmist in Psalm 130 verse 4 can say, But with you there's forgiveness that you may be feared. So that's the connection. Don't fear people. Fear God always. There's forgiveness that he may be feared, right? So let's look at 12, chapter 12, verse 8 through 12. Share the hope you have. So I'll read it, and then let's talk about it. Verse 8, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge the angels. Sorry, let me read that again. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. 
And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So if we really fear God, we're safe. We're secure in his kingdom. We delight to fear his name. Then we know our value. We know we're worth more than many sparrows, and we share that hope with others. It's what he tells us to do. We acknowledge him, the Son of Man. We don't want others to have to fear that same punishment. And then he delights to give us his kingdom, like we talked about. And we get to this weird, weird, I don't know, weird's not the right word, but then we get to this bit in verse 10 and 11, right? Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. One who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Then they bring you to the synagogue and the rulers and authorities. I think this section, and I think the unanimous uh, look from scholars is, this is actually kind of an encouragement to the persecuted church, right? It's like that shame of Peter denying Jesus, right? Denying once, twice, three times. It's actually another look at don't be a hypocrite almost. Don't fear men almost, right? So once, twice, three times under pressure, it's an encouragement for making mistakes, right? You might make mistakes. That's okay. You'll be forgiven. And then that look at the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, it's a life lived rejecting God. It's a life lived rejecting the Spirit's calling towards Christ and calling towards His forgiveness. That's the unpardonable sin, right, that it's talking about. It's rejecting Christ ultimately is what it's talking about. It's not saying that we should be fearful of the Spirit and don't ever talk about the Spirit, right? Verse 10 and 11 is a call for the Spirit and Him helping us and Him being our helper. Um, so I think we sometimes get too scared of this and say, oh, well, let's not, let's be afraid of the Spirit. It's not a, a, a call to be afraid of the Spirit. It's a call to see that the Spirit is our helper. So it's almost another call to not fear people. It's almost another call to not be a hypocrite and to look to the Spirit as our helper and our helper in time of need. Do you guys remember the first martyr uh, in the book of Acts. So Luke and Acts are companion books written by the same author, Luke and Acts. Uh, they're connected. Acts is a part two. The first martyr is Stephen, right? And he's brought in front of the leaders of the synagogue and they bring false accusations against him. And the leaders lay down their coats in front of uh, a young up-and-coming leader named Saul, right? You might have heard of him maybe by another name later on, right? He becomes Paul, right? They bring false accusations against Stephen, and then they ask him more or less, Stephen, are you a hypocrite? And they say, are you trying to infect the whole population of Jews? And they tell him more or less, who do you fear? The man Jesus or the God of our fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? And Stephen answers them, yes. 
And then the Spirit helps him, says that in the text, and gives him the words to speak in his time of need, just like our text says here. See, this, this text we're reading today was encouragement, telling them, you're going to face times like Stephen faced. So Stephen answers yes, and the Spirit gives him help in his time of need. And he tells them about the fear of God. And he tells them and he shares with them the whole gospel from the fathers to Jesus. It's beautiful. Go back and read it. He tells them about his fear of God and the fear of God. And Stephen sees the heavens open and he sees Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. And Stephen fears God in that moment. Stephen's not a hypocrite. Stephen has true faith. He doesn't fear man. He shares the hope he has. He shares the true gospel with them. The Spirit helps him in his time of need. And Stephen loses his life. They kill him. And he gains everything. Stephen gains the kingdom. And the Father delights to welcome him home, welcome him into his kingdom. Persecution and help from the Spirit was much more real for Jesus in that moment. They had already set a trap for him, remember? It would be more real for the apostles. This was a real encouragement for them. It was more real for Stephen. It will be more real for many Christians. It might not be real in that same sense for us. It probably won't be. Many of us won't be. Probably none of us will be martyrs. But the Spirit does help us. This is an encouragement that the Spirit does help us. The Spirit does give us words to speak when we share. It does not mean we will never get in trouble. It does not mean we will never get sick. It does not mean we will never die. Stephen did die. Man, he did share the gospel though, huh? The Spirit did give him words to speak. My question is, does your life even acknowledge him at all? Or is Sunday the only place you even do that? Is your Christianity all just an outward show? We have global outreach partners all over the world doing amazing work, sharing the hope that they have. They're acknowledging him before men. If you know Angie and Lizzie Keasley, they just got to visit Natalie Arraco, who's in Guatemala, sharing the gospel um, by teaching English. Um, you can visit them. They'd love to tell you more about what Natalie's doing so you can support her in her work. Uh, I have a picture from a few months ago um, when the team went to Cyprus. We partnered with the Bowers uh, where we hosted um, many of the global outreach partners in the Near East. And like John said, we got to hear many stories of God's faithfulness in their work throughout the Near East uh, and we would love to tell you more of their stories next week uh, during the luncheon. So come and hear about those uh, after the second service. But like I said, most of us won't be martyrs, probably none of us. But when and where do you share your faith? When can you do that this week? That's the call this week. When can you do that? Also, the call is where are you being a hypocrite? Where are you allowing fear of man to take the place of a right fear of God in your life? What in your life needs to change this week so that you can share the hope 
that you have. Jesus calls his disciples to fear God always because of his loving care for them, because you're worth more than many sparrows. So fear God always. And what does it look like? In this text, I'm going to let us cheat, okay? We can cheat. We can read ahead. Just don't tell Dave, okay? (laughs) So next week, we're going to be in the second half of chapter 12, and I'm going to let us look at what this text actually tells us fearing God looks like. It's verse 32 and 30 through 34. So we'll read that to end, and I'm going to tell you it before I read it. So it is, it looks like being loved. It looks like being secure in his kingdom like we talked about. It looks like trusting him, submitting to him, obeying him, worshiping him, and treasuring him. So fear God always looks like this. Verse 32. Fear God always. Fear not. Little flock. For it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart. Sorry, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. Father, help us. Spirit, be our helper. Jesus, be our helper. We thank you that we can trust you. We ask you to guide us. We thank you for the work that you've already done on our behalf. We ask that we that you would help us to know that you are good and that you love us. Please help us not to fear man, but to fear you rightly. Please correct us where we are wrong. Help us to trust you and know you more. By the power of the work of your Son, we pray, Father. Amen.